0: Let's get together, talk about the movies that we saw this week We'll have discussions, talk film news, we'll laugh a lot and act like geeks Sometimes we'll have a guest or two, sometimes it's just the two of us Let's
1: crack some jokes and tell some folks to come along and hang with us Spike and I go to the movies I and I go to the movies Yeah! You have chosen
0: wisely I can't work in an office, I don't like wearing suits I like to record podcasts. Fixed mic, steel stand, no brakes. The podcast cannot coast. It can never spin its wheels. Can't stop. Don't want to either. There are 1,500 podcasters on the streets of New York City. You can email it, FedEx it, fax it, scan it. But when none of that shit works and this show has to be at that place by this time, you need us. I'm Mike Smith and joining me as always is a man shredding through a dangerous minefield in the pursuit of one beer.
1: <laughs> Mike DeCruccio. You How's your name, Mike? I'm doing great. That is really um, how I feel at all times at work. It's like if I just get through this minefield, I will get one beer at the end of this. (laughs) Yes. uh, Really watching, uh, you know, we'll
0: talk about what we're uh, really watching Ice Cold and Alex. uh, That movie really captures the feeling of like
1: getting off of a long, hard day of work and having a (laughs) (laughs) beer. Absolutely. Um, if that if that l- one long day of work is traveling across North Africa in the desert uh, over, over the course of several weeks, uh. yeah. <laughs> but it does it does get there, and um, you know, Premium Rush, like you said, we're all about that 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 pure pod experience, that pure ride, baby. That's what we're chasing. Exactly. No breaks. Breaks are death. It's all about the podcast. <laughs> It's all about
0: running reds and killing peds. That's what it's all about. Uh, um, uh, So today on Mike, my Go to the Movies, it is a Mike Makes Mike watch. Uh, We've been doing these uh, one per month. We mapped out the entire year of Mike Makes Mike watches. uh, And now we are in the August edition of it. And I remember, I think it was last week when we were like, oh, what are we doing for Mike Makes Mike watch? And like on Mike, I had to laugh because I forgot that I was making you watch premium rush.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you son of a bitch.
0: And so, yeah, we're doing Mike makes Mike watch. I'm making Mike D watch something. He's making me watch something. I made him watch Premium Rush, uh, directed by David Coet from 2012, a bike messenger action movie uh, that I really enjoy. And he made me watch Ice Cold in Alex, uh, directed by J. Lee Thompson from 1958, a war drama uh, from Mike D's favorite filmmaker, Jay Lee Thompson. Uh,
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I've seen, I don't know, three of his movies. It's have, my fave. Fav birthday to me i have not seen it yet but i've heard it's good yeah real good happy birthday to me and st ives or whatever what was Saint which one of those that he
0: uh st ives is the one he directed of course so yeah. the reason <laughs> Uh, the reason J. Lee Thompson is, in on, is on Mike D.'s radar is because he directed St. Ives, uh, which is a Charles Bronson action movie that Jeff Goldblum briefly appears in. Uh, yes, which like, we like about, number
1: three or something.
0: Yes, uh, which we talked about a couple of years ago on the podcast at this point on The Complete Works. Uh, so J. Lee Thompson just became like a recurring joke weirdly. Um, but uh, yeah, but he's great. Cape Fear. He directed the original Cape Fear, Guns of the Navarone, two Planet of the Apes movies. He's, he's got some good stuff on his resume. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, that's actually uh, well, I'll get into it when we get to that part. But uh, uh, yeah. J. Lee Thompson, he's a surprising filmmaker, you know?
0: Yes, absolutely. So uh Mike D, what's been going on in your life uh, lately before we get into the uh before we get into the movies?
1: No, uh, you know, the usual usual stuff. We saw some movies, uh saw uh uh Talk to Me, which was is a new release, which is very exciting. Mike, you talked about that I think last week. I think I did um, on discussions, yeah. On the discussions, and you said, Yeah, this would be a Mike D movie, like be up my alley, and you're hundred percent correct. That movie fucking rules. Um a real Had a real good time with it, and that's really it. Um, I've got tickets coming up the end of this weekend for a an all-night, starts-at-8pm, five-movie zombie marathon, uh, so that'll be very exciting. I, I yeah. unfortunately had to miss uh, Camp Horror, so I decided to get my fix in a different way, and <laughs> yeah. I found this uh, on Long Island, and I'm very excited to go see some uh, all 35mm zombie films, including... Uh, Army of Darkness. So yes. I'm very excited to see that on 35.
0: Yeah, you sent me the lineup of that, and it looks awesome. It's Army of Darkness. It's Tom Savini's Night of the Living Dead. Uh, yes. A lot of uh, cool stuff on there. It sounds great. I wish I could go to that. Uh, but I am in Missoula, and Missoula, we have our own horror thing happening uh, this weekend, uh, which is the Camp Horror Film Festival, which we talked about a couple weeks ago on the podcast with Charlie McCorn. But uh, yeah, that's happening at the Roxy Theater, the indie theater near my house, Missoula, Montana, where I also work uh, this Friday and Saturday. So this podcast will be out on Thursday. If you're listening to this podcast, you happen to be in Missoula and you don't have tickets for any of the camp horror stuff yet get on it it's uh, get on it the <laughs> tingler
1: in 35 don't yeah, miss your chance which is almost sold
0: out so uh yeah I, it might be sold out by the time this podcast comes out but we'll have to see what happens uh but yeah the tingler in 35 millimeter very excited for that there'll be four screenings of the rocky horror picture show uh unicorn wars a shorts block a lot of cool stuff uh that'll be happening uh at camp horror this weekend uh so yeah we both have horror stuff going on this weekend which is fun
1: yeah that's exciting i saw the uh the like i just like snapped up tickets to the 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 zombie thon thing without even realizing that it was like the same day as camp horror um yeah i was just like i gotta go it's a saturday i'm in and i sent it to you and you were like oh it's camp horror day and i was like that's right (laughs) um serendipity (laughs) yeah
0: balance is achieved exactly yes uh so mike d's going to zombie thon i've got camp horror and uh we've got some movies to talk about here so it's time for a mike makes mike watch uh, where we each talk about the movie that we made each other watch. So, Mike D, which one of these movies would you like to talk about first?
1: Um, I think I think let's do Ice Cold and Alex first, because if you know, we try to try to consider these as if we were doing a double feature of them. Yeah. Um, and maybe the uh, two hour and ten minutes or whatever it is, however long Ice Cold and Alex is, uh, like slow war drama version first. Followed up by the uh, bike messenger action movie second.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, I think they they sort of would make a pretty solid double feature. <laughs> they
1: kind of do. It's really <laughs> fucked up. It's the only time we've accidentally stumbled our way into a sort of thematically appropriate double feature. <laughs> right, because usually it's something like, you know, I'll make Mike D watch
0: before sunrise and he'll make me watch Frailty or something. Right. Like that's... Exactly. I'm pretty sure that was the last Mike makes Mike watch like it's always something very tonally different from the other one. Uh, and these are very different movies. Obviously, but, uh, You know, I think they are both at their core about, uh, you know, one man just trying to get from one spot to another <laughs> and, yeah. and facing adversity as he does. So, you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> challenges that get from, from getting from point A to point B and uh, who's who's trying to stop you from completing that journey.
0: Exactly. But uh, I agree with you, Mike. I think a- Ice Cold and Alex would be the one to start with. It is the longer one. It is the slower one. Although it also, it's it, I, I say slow, but it's also like very well, Like it's it, it's pretty exciting. It's very tense. Yes, uh, very taut. Ice Cold and Alex. So let's get into it. It's time for a Mike Makes Mike Watch. I hope they choose right. Mike's watching Mike's
1: movie! It's Another night Mike's watching Mike's movie They vary in quality If you don't stop that open fire We want water, petrol, eh? We got money Now how much money you want?
0: Worth waiting for. All right, it's time for Mike Makes Mike Watch, and that was from the trailer for Ice Cold and Alex, directed by J. Lee Thompson from 1958. It stars people like John Mills, Sylvia Sims, Anthony Quayle, and Harry Andrews. So I I feel like I had heard the title Ice Cold and Alex, mm. and I think the only reason I had heard it is because I vaguely remember you talking about it a while ago.
1: Yes, I did use this. Uh, I watched this, I think, used it as a discussion maybe a year or two ago. I don't really remember when I saw this for the first time. But yes, I saw this or I heard about this on a podcast that was doing a, a retrospective or whatever on Jay Lee Thompson and just the way that he was just a, uh, it was like one episode. It wasn't like a whole series or anything, but it was yeah. um, like that he's just one of those directors that doesn't really exist anymore of like just this studio journeyman can do any genre, will just do anything, will be in a franchise, making a couple Planet of the Apes movies, a couple World War II movies, uh, like yeah. you said, all these kind of weird genres and doing whatever. And just sort of also in modern times, uh, kind of just like a little bit forgotten about. At least I wasn't aware of him until we had to do St. Ives, by name at least. Uh, I'd seen right. you know, Guns of Navarone and a couple other things. And they talked about Ice Cold and Alex and how this apparently um, had a huge resurgence in the 80s as a literal Carlsberg commercial Um, this that last scene uh, of the movie when they finally get their beer was literally taken by Carlsberg and cut out and played on TV uh, where they pour the beer and he chugs it and then it was just like the voiceover Carlsberg worth waiting for Um, (laughs) which is almost the line of the movie Um, and that that was like Carlsberg TV ad in the 80s and it like kind of got a resurgence from that but yeah so yeah that was the kind of thing they talked about it it's you know Sort of Wages of Fear, it's sort of Sorcerer, uh, and I think it came out a year or two after Wages of Fear? I forget the exact timeline of yeah, it.
0: Yeah, Wages of Fear was 57, and this was 58. I, th- I think it was 57, but, but yeah, it's they're both 50s, but Wages of Fear is
1: definitely first. It's first, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, And there was a little bit of like, did you rip this off? Kind of questioning about that, but so I checked it out because of that podcast, and I thought it ruled and it's, you know, it's never talked about in that conversation with Wages of Fear and Sorcerer. I don't know if it ever quite gets to those levels, but uh, it's you know, similar plot, similar thing. Uh, And it seemed like something a Mike Smith, you know, Mike Smith would like. So I was like, gotta get him to watch it so yeah what do you think
0: uh, I liked it a lot thought it was really good I uh, had a great yet. time with the uh, ice cold and Alex I did want to uh, kind of go back to you mentioned J. Lee Thompson and kind of being one of those like journeyman sort of directors who like you know that, that kind of just effective craftsman who can kind of just do anything uh, and I think recently there was actually an article on slate uh, I think Sam Adams wrote it uh, hmm. uh, like decrying the lack of that kind of director in modern uh, you know Hollywood essentially yeah um, because at, at this point Hollywood doesn't really make a lot of these kinds of movies anymore and so a lot of the time what you get is either like for your big tent poles are either indie filmmakers who've made one film and are just jumping right to the big thing uh, right. or you have like an auteur filmmaker coming in to kind of theoretically put their own stamp on it but more often than not it just kind of feels relatively anonymous uh, and i think yeah. the, the, the recent example was really the meg two uh which was directed by ben wheatley <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, director of films like high rise and uh, the killing floor, killing fields, right. Killing the, list, killing list, kill list, or kill kill list. list. Yeah, the kill, kill list. list. I'm thinking I'm, I'm putting two of them together. The kill list and a field in England uh, yes. is, is what I'm doing. And I'm also mentioning a different other movie called the killing. <laughs> fields.
1: Yes, you are. Um, but,
0: uh, you know, a du- director of like some really acclaimed independent films, like definitely somebody who has like a point of view. Uh, and that point of view is just like completely, I, I haven't seen the Meg two yet. Um, but just yeah. completely like taken away for like, it doesn't feel like a Ben Wheatley movie. And it's like that Ben Wheatley shouldn't be making the Meg Two. He should be making Ben Wheatley movies. Right. You know? Like what's uh, going and on? That's, and that's like a J. Lee Thompson or somebody equivalent would have been like the perfect guy to do something like the Meg
1: 2. But instead there are no J. Lee Thompsons anymore. And that's uh that's it's a little sad. Yeah. Yeah. It is definitely interesting to think about that. Like even, even like, um, you know, Sam Raimi and, uh, uh, Dr. Strange, like it obviously has its raimi and all that stuff and it's got yeah. a lot of his, his stuff, but it like has to be filtered through the Marvel style you know and all that right yeah so
0: it's just stuff like that it just feels like you, we've lost that kind of workmanlike quality to some of these filmmakers like I, uh, I love my auteur filmmakers and a lot of great like they make a lot of great movies <laughs> um, yeah but it's weird that like a lot of them are like having to sign on to large big projects like Barry Jenkins is directing the Lion King prequel you know like that's that's what? a thing that's happening you know uh, and every once in a while it works like Greta Gerwig made Barbie and it was you know great and everybody loved it all that kind of stuff but for the most part I think most of those bigger movies should be handed off to people like Jaylee Thompson, uh, director of ice cold and Alex, uh, which is just a crackerjack motion picture. Uh,
1: I just, I think crackerjack motion picture is the like correct way to describe a movie like this.
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah. So the movie is about, uh, this guy, Captain Anson, who is this uh, commanding officer in this British army. Uh, he's an alcoholic and he gets sent on this mission to transport these two nurses like to Alexandria. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they, they are traveling and they encounter this other guy, uh, like while they're out and it turns out he may be secretly working for the Germans. He's a spy. And so they're just traveling across the desert and continuing to go and, you know, get it. like, it's like 600 miles and they have this like rickety truck and all they can do is just like, it keeps breaking down. They have to keep trying to figure out how to fix it. They have to get through all these barriers and barricades. They have to go through landmines, like all this kind of stuff, all these obstacles get in their way. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the result is a really terrific, tense uh, war movie. And I think part of the reason I like this, I'm not super, Super into war movies in general, but mm. I like war movies like this, which you know take place in the war, but aren't like necessarily depicting big battles in the war. Or whatever, it's just like a couple of people and they have a tense situation they got to get
1: through. <laughs> right? <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> World War Two is just the backdrop of this survival story, really. Yeah,
0: exactly. And so, yeah, it is very much like Wages of Fear, and you know, Sorcerer came later, which was a remake of Wages of Fear. Uh, which, by the way, Sorcerer playing it at the Rocks of Theater September fifth in tribute to William Friedkin. Just throwing uh-huh. it out there. I was hoping to get a 35 millimeter print. Uh, they don't have it, but we, <laughs> <laughs> it's, but we are getting into digital. So uh, come check out Sorcerer in Missoula if you're out. <laughs>
1: Seeing that on the big screen would be awesome. Yes. Wow.
0: I, I I recently, I was programming the trailers uh, for the upcoming week and I got to watch the original sorcerer trailer. Uh, and it's really funny watching the trailer. Cause it's just, like the first like 45 seconds of the trailer are just text and voiceover. And the text is just the word, the French connection. And it, <laughs> and it's the voiceover saying in 1971, William Friedkin directed the French connection. And then the text fades out. And then the next text comes up and it says the exorcist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> In 1973, William Friedkin directed The Exorcist, and now he is back.
1: <laughs> with, Amazing. With
0: Sorcerer. And I was like, man, this goes hard. This is really cool. <laughs>
1: That's really funny.
0: Yeah. All right, uh, William only- Friedkin, the greatest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes R.I.P. William Freakin and too bad that movie came out on the same day as Star Wars yeah <laughs> just got buried imagine if
0: Sorcerer is the one that blew up though like imagine the world we would be living in if Sorcerer was the movie that got like a Disney franchise I think we'd just be in the Mad Max world we'd just all be on big trucks <laughs> and everything <laughs> I think you're right, 100%. But yeah, Ice Cold and Alex, that was terrific. Uh, yeah, I was kind of looking into it. Apparently, it was, so it came out in 58, but it didn't come out in the U.S. until a few years later in 61. And the version in the U.S. was actually a much shorter version than the uh, movie that was originally really released. Uh, yeah, so the movie itself is two hours and 10 minutes. The version in the U.S. was released under a different title. It was called Desert Attack, and what? All right. And it was 80 minutes long. It was an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, what? So they, they cut nearly an hour of this movie in order to release it in the U.S. I I got to imagine it was like as a B movie attached to another thing or something, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Basically, I mean that would take their long, arduous, you know, perilous journey across the desert to Alexandria to just like a quick trip.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's <just> 80 minutes. <laughs> like what? Yeah, I feel like that would cut out everything that wasn't like you know a minefield. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or, you know, pushing the truck up the hill or whatever. Just like anything that was just just driving. No, cut it. Get rid of Get it. Get it out. According to critics at the time, uh, the 80-minute version is nonsensical. It does not make sense at all. <laughs> That's amazing. But, yeah, I really, uh, really enjoyed Ice Cold and Alex. I like the camaraderie between everybody that uh, is, you know, involved in this trip. It's like a trip of, I think, at most five people, right? It's like the two nurses and then the two guys and the one guy they pick up. Yeah, uh, and the, then then the South African guy. Yes, and then the one nurse dies on the, on the way over there as well. Um, because uh, she's like sick from the beginning right she's like sick
1: yeah she's early had like on. a like because they are nurses they're in an ambulance mm-hmm. right they're sort of like the medical corps or whatever these people um and yeah they get in an air there's an air raid and this one nurse has never been in a bombing before and she has like a mental breakdown um and that's why they end up they like because they like run away and miss the evacuation and that's how they end up in this ambulance with them yeah and then the are they're stopped by Nazis they come across Nazis in the desert and they like light up the side of the truck and shoot her right uh, yeah in, like on the inside like they don't know she's in the truck basically uh, and that's how she dies and uh, and then yeah they come across this uh, South African soldier who's just like by uh, by himself and it's like kind of strange like why is this guy just wandering the desert who's he um, and he joins them and then yeah there's the the the, the, the tension around is he uh, who he says he is and right. why is he always sneaking off with his big pack and all that stuff uh, yes. and it's it rules yeah I don't know it's, I really enjoy this movie and I want more people to watch it and check it out
0: yeah no it's great and I think uh, there are so many just great tense sequences like I mean they're, you know they're, the movie gives you like you know lulls and like times where it's just like oh they're just driving whatever uh, and th- those are times when it's just like the characters are building you kind of get attached to all of them but uh, that sequence uh, there's a few sequences, but the sequence that really got me that like really got me into the movie uh, is the minefield sequence, which happens pretty early on. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I think it made me realize, like, one of my greatest fears might be stepping on a landmine. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely I I've never been in a situation where that might happen and I don't anticipate being in one in the future but I think that might be one of my greatest fears like I, I remember that like scene in into five bloods yeah and how tense that was and then watching it again here uh another sequence where they're driving the truck and they know they're in a minefield and they're going incredibly slowly and they have uh two of them are out like slowly going <laughs> like kind of on foot scoping yeah. out the area and then at one point one of them steps on something and they think it's a landmine and it It looks like a landmine, and then they finally they get it like dusted off, and it's just like like an
1: old can of beans, like with no beans inside. Um, yeah. And just the great, the, the, like the tension of that scene and all the like close-ups of the wheels and the tracks following the footprints. And the, and there is the one shot where, um, you see a mine is just like an inch off the track. And it's like, if the truck just veers a tiny little bit and it like brushes up against the side of the yeah. tire and it's just like, ah, and it just goes on for so long and like so much tension. And then, yeah. And then th- that scene ends with them. Well, so yeah, he steps on the can of beans, right. And there's like a big joke and it's the whole thing. Cause the, up until then, the South African guy, uh, Vanderpoel or whatever his name is, um, has been all like mach- machismo. And he's like, we're going to we're going to make it across this before nightfall. Right. Like he just is going to walk at a normal pace and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and then he steps on this can of beans and he's like absolutely terrified. And then that scene really ends with the Nazis bombing the minefield to clear it for their tanks as the ambulance has like barely made it out. Uh, yes. and it's just like so much more attention, and now you know the tanks are right behind them, and and uh, it's, it's just cool. Yeah, absolutely. And then like I think the next like big set piece after that is like, hey, they have to cross
0: this barricade that the German, like the Germans have found their uh, thing, and they have to like kind of bluff their way through to try <laughs> to try to get yeah. through. And I think that's when they kind of first uh, start realizing Vanderpol may not be who he says he is, right? Because he is the one who kind of gets them through.
1: Yeah, he talks them through. That's when the nurse dies, um, and then or is shot at, at least, and then yeah. Van Eventually, it happens. A second time, come across a second group of Nazis, and he talks them through his, again. Yeah, uh, and they're like, you know, I think he says, "Once is a miracle, twice is impossible," or something is the line when yeah, they're talking later about in it. Movie, yeah, yeah, later on, um, and that's when they they start to realize that Vanderpool might not be who he is who he yeah. says he is, at least. Yeah, and I think the, nur- the nurse dying also
0: is is a very tense sequence because, it's, like, she dies, it's sad, um, but then they still have to get through the Germans, and I think if the Germans know that the nurse died because that they shot her, they will kill everyone, I believe is the idea, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, they sort of use her being wounded, I think, as an excuse, like, let us through and get to a hospital, um, yeah. and, like, we'll turn, all- turn ourselves in as soon as we get there kind of thing. Uh, so if she's dead, they have no reason to stop- to let them through.
0: Yeah, and they have, like, a German officer. Are sitting with them, uh, but he doesn't speak English, so they can kind yeah. of talk <laughs> talk around
1: him. Yeah, they're talking about it with him sitting there, um, and yeah, it's 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 just I love to um, the what's the, the main Anson, I think is the captain's name, right? Um, or the officer's name, at least who is an alcoholic due to being captured. And, and like he, they reveal that like he escaped and he wandered through the desert for days on end. And he's so traumatized that he's been trying to like drink himself to death. Um, and Vanderpool keeps giving him gin and he's like, well, how about this bud? You need a drink? You know, and like keeps getting him drunk. And eventually I think it's after the, they get away from that first group of Nazis. He like swears, I won't have another drink till we get to, to Alexandria. And that's becomes the, like the, ice cold in Alex, the ice cold beer in Alexandria that they want. Like that's the motivation
0: to get there. Like just that's, that's that's what's keeping him alive. Essentially is the thought of that one uh, beer that he he's had before. He's been to Alex before and he knows the bar. And when you get, when he finally gets to the bar, like the bartender knows him.
1: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Which is a great detail.
0: Uh, Yeah. And so he has that that scene at the end where they finally get the beers and he gets, you know, the ice cold lager and he just drinks it all in one gulp. Like basically, he just like (laughs) chugs the entire thing uh, and gets another round. It's fantastic. It really it really captures that uh, that that feeling, you know?
1: Yeah. And just the way this movie like so realistically depicts. Fatigue and like wear and tear on a person. I don't know. Like in in a lot of movies, you like in situations like this, somebody they kind of just have like five o'clock shadow the whole time. And just like they are freshly shaven at the beginning. And by the end of it, they all have like the men have like gross, scraggly beards. They're covered in mud and sweat. And their shirts are like they took them off, they'd keep their shape. (laughs) Like they're so disgusting. Um, And yeah, they're all sitting there at the bar watching the bartender pour this beer with this perfect amount of foam at the top. Uh, Yeah. And they're just like it's like turned into cartoon wolves almost, you know. <laughs> their, uh, their tongues roll out, um, and then he chugs that beer, and I think he says like worth wait that was worth waiting for or something, which is what became the the commercial. That's wild. And, That's great. Which is hilarious. Yeah, and I think I saw there was uh, the woman that survives. I forget the, her name. The actress said that like she they made she made more money on the advertising than they ever made on the movie. Wow. Uh, it, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, and, and then so it doesn't just end there, right? Of course, then the, the military police show up and are to arrest, uh, Vanderpoel, uh, because they've reported him as a German spy yeah. or as a German rather. And Anson, they, they kind of make the decision that he's, he like literally saves their lives like three or four times throughout the movie. <laughs> uh, so they make it seem like he was their prisoner. Uh, yes is yeah. how they reveal it at the end. Yeah, like he he was uh
0: I think given to them from like the German army to help them help transport them. That's like their cover story. Yeah, they come um, up with some story. Yeah, yeah. They, they come up with a story and they get his name and uh yeah like the German officer comes in and comes to take him away and it seems like they're like they're going to execute him. Um right. you know death by firing squad. And so uh yeah they do some quick thinking, some quick maneuvering. They let him finish the beer and Anson like you know convinces him okay you're like your name is Otto us Okay, you're you're you were our prisoner, all that kind of stuff. And there's, it's like a weird, like screwball kind of comedy thing for a second where like, yeah. yeah, he's like, he goes along with it. And then he like says goodbye to uh, Diana and his dog tags um, are like <laughs> dangling from his neck. And somebody's like, Oh, look
1: over there. And they grab the dog tags. Like as the German right. officer is like, no, yeah. <laughs> the, the South African dog tags uh, yes. show up or, or fall out of a shirt or whatever. Um, and yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just really cool. I, li- I like it a lot. And I'm, I want more people to watch it. because and, and is it, is it on Amazon? I don't remember where it's like available.
0: Uh, uh, I rented it for like four dollars on Amazon, um, but you can okay. like you can watch it with ads on like Tubi, Freevee, and look, there's, there's like five different services that have it with ads right now. Okay, um, Great. so there's that. But I, I rented it for like four dollars on Amazon because you know, I I was thinking about watching it with ads, but I started it at like eleven o'clock last night, so I was like, it's already two hours and ten minutes.
1: I can't. Uh, <laughs> can't add more ads can't add any more time to this yeah <laughs> yeah so make sure you do watch the longer version i guess if the 80 minute version is bananas yeah i uh, i
0: don't know i think the only one available right now is the longer version so okay there, there is that um but yeah i i don't know where the where you can watch the 80 minute version i'd be curious to watch it just to see what was cut
1: yeah you know <laughs> It's got to just be like all the character stuff, like all the times of them brewing tea (laughs) where you're you're like learning about who and what these people are and what they're going through. Get rid of all that shit. (laughs) We just want the action. Yes absolutely
0: um also do wanted to mention the scene where they're like they have to push the ambulance like up that giant uh, hill uh yeah. and that, that's like a 20 minute sequence uh it goes on for so long uh and it's so intense and they when like they've gone through so much and it's like almost at the top of the hill and then it just rolls starts rolling back down and that's when like anton realizes oh, i forgot to set a break like i forgot to have somebody on the break and like the girl is just diana's just like breaks down crying <laughs> Like she's yeah, like, so much so much effort has like gone up to Ghana into this and it's just failed. And, you know, Anson has already like flipped out before. Uh, yeah. And it's the moment here where he's like, OK, well, we just got to do it again. This time you're on the break. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, it's 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 just nice. It's nice to see them all working together at the, at the end. Right. Yeah, because definitely he's had he's had this huge meltdown about how he has to get her, get the, the Katie, the ambulance they've named yeah. her Katie, uh to, to Alex, to Alexandria. And he's had this huge meltdown. And you're like, yeah, you think at this point he's gonna like take the the crank out of the engine and like beat the ball to death with it, right? Like, right. like <laughs> that's what it feels like uh, is about to happen. Yeah. Uh but no, yeah, he kinda just has this moment where he realizes like we we can't get we have to get through this together. It's the only way we can we're gonna achieve this. And they just get back to work, back to doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And so they do that. And also I I mean,
0: before that sequence is also the scene where uh, Vanderpool is stuck in quicksand. Um, Oh,
1: yeah, that scene's intense.
0: Yeah, very intense. And they have to do the whole like they have to, like, you know, put rope in there and tie it to the truck and get him out of there. And yeah, it goes on forever. And like the other two of them, Anson and the other guy, um, Pew, Tom Pew, um, they're, they're both like have to go in there and try to get him out. And so they're all in the quicksand. And yeah, it's it's pretty nuts.
1: Yeah, and that that's the scene that they confirm that he's a spy, right? Because he's been sneaking off uh, with his pack, and uh, they they it's the middle of the night now, uh, and they like turn the headlights on the truck on and see him, and it's like a radio, and he or like a yeah radio or whatever, and he's like signaling back, and he like runs off the track that they're bit on into this ends up in this quicksand, and uh, yeah, they save him, and it's really intense, and they 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 can't they have to use uh, the gasoline to wash the sand off like the mud and everything off because they don't have enough water. <laughs> to you to like wash off with so like they're just pouring jerry cans of gas on each other it's just like this is disgusting you guys are gross uh which yeah hey you know survival situation and everything but um yeah that's that's just one of the things that adds to like the grit and the the, like. you can feel this movie they're always covered in flies they're always like sopping wet uh and you're just like watching it like that 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 was part of why i was like okay i need to make Mike watch this at some point and I feel like it's gotta be August. Just like the hottest <laughs> time the, like just you know the w- most uncomfortable and humid and gross time Right, is when we gotta watch this trek across the desert movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also want to give a special shout
0: out to Sylvia Sims who plays Diana because I thought she was great. I, I, just, yeah. I, I really liked her in this movie. I'm not really familiar with her otherwise. I guess apparently she died earlier this year like in January oh, wow. uh, she passed away which is crazy because it, it just feels this feels like such an old movie and it, I mean, it's from 1958 right. uh, so it is but uh, yeah Sylvia Sims I thought was terrific it, like she's just really cool and like, she's the only fe- uh, like major female character in the movie besides the other nurse who dies yeah. um, so you know she gets she's there throughout the whole thing and uh, she gets a great uh, kind of relationship with Anson think their chemistry is very good uh, she really reminded me of um, the, the main female lead of Assault on Precinct 13 weirdly just uh, Lori Lori Zimmer is her name but uh, yeah I think yeah there's there are two similar performances I think
1: yeah yeah and she's not like she definitely is a little bit like you know the damsel that they have to save, uh. But like not really. Like yeah, she kind she, of she holds her own. Like she's she's
0: there throughout. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And she like sells it to the to the German officers that like she's helping her friend who like who's dead. Um. And she like holds it together to get through those scenes and stuff. And uh, she really only breaks down at the very like you know has like a like crying woman quote unquote scene uh, at the end when the truck rolls down the hill. But like they all kind of have that reaction, so it doesn't feel like like anti-woman or like she's not just a hysterical right. woman for most of the movie yeah absolutely
0: any other thoughts about ice cold and alex mike before we move on to the next movie or uh, anything else
1: um the guy that plays Vanderpol is really good i don't know yeah. his name anthony quail yeah he is really good yeah he's uh, al-
0: he's also in guns of the navarone he is in lawrence of arabia Oh um, wow. yeah I would, i've actually i've never seen lawrence of arabia what if i haven't either uh <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I, I actually own it on Blu-ray now because I just, I happened to like get a free copy of it on Blu-ray at one point um, but I've been saving myself to watch it because I want to watch it in a theater
1: <laughs> Me too, but like there was just that 4K f- whatever anniversary I think last year or, or something recently that came oh, yeah. out um, That and I didn't go to it and I was kind of like, well now I'm just lying to myself <laughs> But I've been saying I want to see it for the first time on a big screen.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I do want to see it for the first time on a big screen. Uh, and I had the chance a few years back. Uh, the 4K thing didn't happen near me. It didn't play anywhere near me as far as okay. I know. But I had the chance a few years back in like 2017, 2018. Uh, it played at the Alamo Drafthouse in Yonkers. And I was going to go. It was a Sunday night. Uh, mm. So it was like, OK, I got to drive an hour to Yonkers to this eight o'clock show of Lawrence of Arabia. It'll get out at midnight because it's like a four hour movie yeah. uh, I get home at 1 a.m. I, I was almost on the cusp of doing it, but it was my brother's birthday. And so I had to go hang out with my brother.
1: And that sit. son of a bitch. You could have <laughs> been
0: born on a different day. I know. Right. So, uh, yeah. I, so as a result, I have still not seen Lawrence of Arabia, but I should fix that at some point. I'm trying to make my, my 30th year on this planet, the year I cross off a lot of masterpieces. Uh, Got it. So okay. I watched Eyes Wide Shut recently.
1: Really good that master out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, we will be crossing a masterpiece off soon in a couple of weeks now, thanks to a uh, donation on the Kofi. So that's very exciting. Ah, uh, yes. Uh,
0: Star Trek two, the wrath of Khan going to be coming up in a few weeks. Thanks to David for donating for that one. After he heard that, uh, I had not seen the original. Have you, you haven't seen it either. Uh, I right? haven't seen it either. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, after hearing that, uh, we were talking about Star Trek discovery on the Michelle Yeoh podcast. I think, I think so. Yeah. I think that's probably where it came up. And yeah, I think it just came out that, uh, we have not watched any of the old Star Trek movies. Um, so, the episode itself will be about Star Trek, 2. I might make an effort to watch at least the first one also, and maybe a couple more after that. We'll see what happens. So we'll see how, how deep into the Star Trek you get. Yeah, exactly. But you know what, Mike? Speaking of crossing off masterpieces, you crossed one off this week. Uh, <laughs> yes, I did. You're right. <laughs> uh, and so let's get into it. Let's talk about uh, 2012's Premium Rush. Hello? Well, I
1: got a package for you. 90 minutes Premium Rush. Hey! That envelope you picked up, I've got to ask for it back. Who are you? Not your problem. Yeah, the thing is, once it goes in the bag, it's got to stay in the bag. You got a name, family, people who care if they see you again? Who are you, man? No!
0: Wiley, tell me where you are. Wiley? What did you do to me, man? What the hell am I carrying?
1: You got involved with some people with real problems. It's life and death you have no idea what's coming for you. I got him. I almost got my ass killed three times in that 20 minutes. One time or another, we all get hit. Sometimes we gotta hit back.
0: Right, that was from the trailer for premium rush uh directed by david coep from the year 2012 it stars joseph gordon levitt michael shannon Denia ramirez and jamie chung among others uh, so mike d why did i make you want to watch premium
1: Rush? why did you make me wanna, why, wanna why, why, why did
0: i want to make you watch premium rush i think is the, that's <laughs> the actual that's the question yes <laughs> uh, the reason is uh so again i i forgot that i was making you watch this <laughs> Uh, however, I remember when this movie was coming out in the year mm. 2012 and I was very excited about it. I'm not entirely sure why I was so excited about it. I think, um, you know, the trailer looked pretty cool to me. I thought like it was just that right mix of like goofy, but also fun that, uh, I was I, I was pretty into yeah. uh it was also like you know peak time to be joseph gordon levitt uh oh yeah <laughs> this, never this, been better yeah th- i mean this was like right after inception and dark Knight Rises, so he had been in the nolan movies and he was popping up on like Fifty Fifty. he had he was directing his own movie the following year don john he was he was at the height of his powers uh that's you know. right 500 days of summer had just come out you know it was it was a big joseph gordon levitt time in america on top of that I was a big fan of michael shannon uh <laughs> <laughs> and, so, cause, and mostly at that point for Borobock Empire he was on that show and so I knew who Michael Shannon was based on that um, but uh, so they were both in this movie together uh, it was directed by David Coep who, which was a name that I knew because he was a pretty prominent screenwriter and had written many blockbusters including the original Jurassic Park uh, and Mission Impossible uh, War of the Worlds the original Spider-Man all that kind of stuff so and, and also like Indiana Jones the King of Crystal Skull <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, right. yeah. so there's that too um, but yeah so I, I Like there was enough names attached to it that I was pretty interested in it. And also I thought the trailer looked really cool. And then I saw it in theaters and I was very much like, I think I'm going to make this movie my personality. I feel (laughs) like for like for years afterwards, I'll be like, do you remember that bike messenger movie, Premium Rush? And people would be like, no, what are you talking about? (laughs) But yeah, I I got really into premium rush uh, in August 2012. I own it on Blu-ray. I got the Blu-ray around that time. Uh, I did not have the chance to rewatch it before this podcast, unfortunately. Uh, So it has been several years since I've watched it. But Mike D, first of all, I can't believe I never made you watch it while we knew each other in college, Uh, because that would have been the time that I was really
1: into premium rush. This has uh, big, we're drunk on the couch at 3 a.m., and yes. somehow this is on TV all of a sudden, and nobody knows how or why.
0: I, I definitely made at least a couple people watch it while we were in that house, uh, so <laughs> you must have escaped it somehow. Somehow. But what did you think of Premium Rush?
1: I think Premium Rush somehow is the, the kind of like perfect alchemy of this should not work. This has a silly premise. These actors are being very goofy and over the top, but it rules. I don't, yeah. I don't quite under I don't know how to ex- explain you know so this movie opens right and it's the opening credits like uh, everything and it's the intro to Baba O'Reilly by the Who yeah and I'm like all right <laughs> I don't know. Like we'll see. I guess. Wait, not like the Who. What the hell? I love the Who, but it just feels <laughs> like you're calling your shot a little too big or something. I don't know. It feels weird. And it's then it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt flying through the air and he crash lands on the ground uh, uh, onto the street as the like band kicks in and I'm like, okay, so we're like we're timing things to the song so the classic rock song. That's fun. Um, and then it's like 6:30 p.m. and it rewinds and it's like 5 p.m. and then the movie starts and I'm yeah. just like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but somehow within five minutes, and it has that big long monologue, uh, voiceover thing that you did as the intro uh, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt describing the, the way he he rides, and he's a messenger, and he's in it for the for the ride. Um, and then it and then it just turns into a, like a underground, a Chinese criminal underground crime <laughs> movie. <laughs> I was just like, is this a Yun Ping thing? What's going on? Are we crossing over podcasts? What's happening with the YoPod? And then, yeah, I was kind of just, I was watching it with a few friends on Discord, and, like, about 45 minutes into it, one of them is just like, is this movie really good? And we were kind of like, yeah, I think so. Like, I'm glad somebody else said it, because we're all thinking it. Um, And, yeah, we just had a total blast, and I I don't really know why or how it works, but it does, and it really shouldn't. Like, the fact that Manny uses, like, a gear shifter and brakes, I shouldn't be, like, Peshaw. <laughs> like, when that happens. Like, I, sh- I shouldn't be on Joseph Gordon-Levitt's side in right. this movie. Because Joseph Gordon-Levitt's whole thing is he wants to make this as dangerous as possible. Yeah, he wants to die. Um... <laughs> But like, I'm into it. I don't know. It's very, you know, like genuinely while I was watching this movie and then there's like the Spidey sense stuff that he's got when he comes to an intersection and he can see all the the future variations of how he can get through the crosswalk. Yes. I kind of just wish we'd had Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Spider-Man instead of Andrew Garfield. Like, I feel like there was a window where it could have really worked. That could have happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of would have ruled. But basically, he's a superhero on a bike and... (laughs) (laughs) fighting an evil cop and that's fun i i mean this movie really positions bike messengers
0: as like modern day cowboys Uh, absolutely like that's that's really what it's doing and that that whole opening monologue where he's like yeah we have like you know we're like we ride uh, we we can't stop we don't want to Like, we have to get this you need us and yeah there's moments where like you know uh, you know the pedestrians all hate us like cars hate us like everyone else hates us but we're the true underbelly of the city like we're the real people kind of thing and like it's advocating for like like you're on the side of the bike messengers who are using chains to
1: knock mirrors off of car <laughs> right <I> mean, right <laughs> yeah um <laughs> it's just silly it's just it takes itself so seriously but like in the right the right tone the right ver- the right amount of serious that it doesn't go into like like laughing at how how stupid it is i don't know i don't i don't know how to describe it like it it takes the whole premise of bike messengers and how they all suck and makes it like kind of funny because joseph gordon levitt believes it's they don't suck. I don't know. I don't yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, in, in. John Wick 2, when it's like, oh, all of New York is assassins. Um, it's like that, but bike messengers. <laughs> yes, yeah, very much. Also wanted to mention
0: that, of course, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, his name is Wiley, as yes. in Wiley Coyote. Yes. Uh, and uh, Michael Shannon is very much the, uh, I guess, no, I guess, I guess we should be the other way around, right? Because Joseph Gordon-Levitt's the guy that Michael Shannon's chasing. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt should be named like Roadrunner. Should um, be Roadrunner. But, <laughs> um, yeah. but, you know, it's just a cheeky reference, whatever. But yeah, and then Michael Shannon is uh, Detective Robert Monday, who is Using a fake name for a lot of the movie, Forrest J. Ackerman, um, who is like a Forest Ackerman's a real guy. He was like a sci-fi writer slash guy who appeared in a lot of B movies, like in the 50s and 60s. Like that's amazing. <laughs> so just like fun, fun references like that are pretty neat. Um, but yeah, I just love the dynamic between the two of them. I think Michael Shannon is way over the top in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and that's you know say for Michael Shannon, that's that's pretty high. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's this scene, um, right. His whole shtick is that he's a cop that has a gambling problem at the, you know, the Chinese, the, uh, like illegal Chinese casinos or whatever. Yeah. And he's in with the loan sharks and the whole thing. And, uh, he like agrees to get beat up for not paying. Right. He's like, you can hit like, you know, just nothing permanent. Yeah. Um, and they knock his tooth out, and he has this reaction where he's like, "I said nothing permanent." And he's like, pulls his gun out, he's like, pistol whipping dude, and it's just like the most insane, over the top shit. Um, he's got one of the funniest lines in in this movie where it's later on, you know, Joseph Gordon Levitt has realized he's a cop. He's at the police station. He's hiding in the bathroom stall from yeah from a hit from Michael Shannon and all this stuff. And him and his butt cop f- people are or going out to interview a witness or whatever and uh, he realizes that Wiley is in in the station uh, and he says, oh, hold on, uh, I forgot my bullets and he turns around goes inside and that is the stupidest funny like that's the level this movie's on that that's his excuse for why he has to go back into the police station I mean and the cops are like who forgets their bullets like yes. what
0: yes. Um, but it's so funny yes there's one scene that uh, has always like has been permanently etched in my brain and it's when um, I believe the police have like confiscated Wiley's bike like they yes. like it's in like a bike impound lot or something and I think Wiley has also been captured or he like snuck his way in there somehow
1: yeah he lies to um so yeah there's like a whole big thing he gets like hit by a car and all that stuff and the cops come and impound the bike and blah 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 and he he lies to michael shannon and says like okay i'll give you the thing we need if you get my bike back so he brings him there to the impound lot to get his bike back
0: Right. But and he, so he, he
1: plans to escape instead. Yeah.
0: And so he es- he escapes and gets to his bike. And, uh, you know, Michael Shannon is like going, like walks out, walks back in. Is like, hey, are, is nobody guarding this guy? And he's like, oh, I thought you were guarding him or whatever. He's like, I, like yeah. you, you want me to watch him the whole time? And Michael Shannon's like, he's like, just, like, just, like shouting behind his shoulder, like, no, I want you to give him the keys to your car. And then like, as he's saying that, Joseph Gordon-Levitt jumps on his bike and like jumps like, into frame from like behind him, like off the yeah. second story thing and like onto a bunch of cars. And then the rack on tour salute your solution starts playing (laughs) and i remember watching that for the first time and thinking this is the coolest shit i've ever seen (laughs) absolutely this is rad
1: (laughs) this is what movies are
0: um uh, and then it triggers a whole like chase sequence where he's like just riding on top of cars like on the on his bike and his girlfriend's like trying to get like get him out of there. And then there's one moment where Michael Shannon and I just rewatched this scene before we did the podcast. Um, there's one moment where Michael Shannon like shouts at this like security guards like hey, close the door. He's getting away. And the security guards like, oh, and he just starts
1: walking as slowly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yes. It's like a cartoon. He's like, you don't have to raise your voice about it. And he yeah. just starts like shuffling over to the button. It's so funny. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, I don't know. This movie's bananas, and it it it, sh- it shouldn't work in in like its structure because it does this. It keeps doing this thing where like Rashuban, right? Where it's like you keep seeing the different version of events. Uh, yeah. Where it's like you know it'll it'll show you one thing, and then it'll be like Michael Shannon. Now he'll be the protagonist, and it'll like rewind again and show you it from like what he was doing up to the point where you saw Joseph Gordon-Levitt enter the right. scene, and then it'll rewind and show you what his friend was doing. Uh, Nima was doing up until Michael Shannon got in the scene keeps replaying the same moments over and over again um you're like this is a bike messenger movie we don't need to be doing like a uh christopher nolan like non-linear timeline thing right (laughs) Um, but it but it rules it absolutely
0: works yeah and the movie is 92 minutes and it sort of takes place in real time almost basically like basically like it's padded out with these flashbacks but otherwise it's like it does take place, like, you know, the movie is taking place over the course of, like, an hour and a half. Like, I think the movie starts with that scene where Jessica Gordon-Levitt's, you know, flying through the air, and it shows you 6 o'clock, and then it winds back 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, And so it's like, okay, that's going to be, like, the rest of the movie is catching up to that moment, and that's basically what it does. Uh, I remember thinking that the, like, the actual reveal of what is happening is a little bit just like,
1: okay, yeah, sure. Like, it's... Yes. (laughs) I almost wish it was a drug thing um, instead. Yeah, so his friend... You know, he's a bike messenger person, and his his friend has given him. Uh, he has to deliver this envelope down from uh, you know 116th Street or whatever to Ch- in. Ch- down to Chinatown in ninety minutes, and this is what Michael Shannon's chasing. And it basically turns out to be a like underground uh, money transfer thing uh, in like the Chinese criminal world. Basically, like basically Nima, his friend, is is paying a trafficker to get her son out of China because she wrote right. some like anti-government article while she was in college, and and they're holding her son prisoner basically and won't let him immigrate uh, to her. So she has to go to this underworld. Um, but before that, it it definitely seems like drug money or loan shark money or some kind of money laundering thing before it's revealed to, like, be this good person that's been dragged into this underworld. Um, But before that, I'm like, this rules. (laughs) Like, Like, yeah, okay, it has to be something good, air quotes, so that we can feel good about delivering this package. Right. But, yeah, when you think it's, like money for an assassination or whatever. Like there's all these crazy potential things that it could be before it's revealed.
0: Yeah. I think, I think that is it. kind of like, um, I don't know. It's like a little too, like it hits too close to real life, I guess. Um,
1: (laughs) for what this movie is like a very crazy, weird action movie. (laughs) yeah and then like it's also it also f- cuts to the docks in China where it's like them online trying to get yeah like, like it's it, like it's dependent on like that ticket going to that
0: person so that the captain will let them on the ship across the world kind of thing right basically
1: yeah yeah uh and they're like no get stand stand aside and like let the line keep going um and then yeah it's as he delivers the, the envelope right at 7pm right on time mm. um cause he's the first he's, the, he's best the best bike best. messenger there is no it's gears no use, brakes he doesn't use brakes yeah <laughs> uh she picks yeah. up the phone and calls somebody and then it cuts to the dock and them them in China being like, Okay, mm-hmm. you can get on board now. Um, so it's like, yeah, it becomes a little too real, a little too, I don't know, sweet, a little too, like, you have to save the world kind of thing for this, for this family. Um, when before this, it was Michael Shannon chasing you around Manhattan and trying to run you over. And the, also the bike cop that he keeps running into by accident. Yes. Very Which funny. That, that, yeah.
0: That moment, uh, when he breaks out of the bike impound, uh, impound lot or whatever. And it's like that yeah. same bike cop is right outside and he steals that cop's bike. Yeah. Uh, and the, and the guy like
1: turns around like what? Nope. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. <he> i <like laughs> done. Takes his helmet off and walks away. Yeah. It's like, I quit, uh, which is very fun. And yeah, it's been pretty silly and, and all that stuff. Uh, and they're chasing, racing each other through central park with, with Manny because he doesn't know what's in the envelope and that it like, it's real and it's serious, man. And he's like, I'm getting there first, bro. You know, it's just like this whole goofy thing Um, to then have it also be like about good human trafficking. I don't know. Strange, strange, <laughs> <laughs> weird,
0: A little, a little on the weird side. Yes, absolutely. Uh, what, what is it that he says about brakes? It's like, it's the hesitation that'll kill you or something like that's what he says about it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: He tells, um, his girlfriend, his his girlfriend, whose name I don't remember. um, Uh, Vanessa. Vanessa. Yes. She has put, put brakes onto her bike now. Uh, and he says that to her like, oh, I can't believe you added those to your ride or whatever. It's basically (laughs) like how they talk about cars in fast and the furious. Um, (laughs) And, yeah, he says, like, brakes will kill you. It's the hes- the hes- like, you hesitate, and that's, what, that's what'll that's what throw you off. Yeah. And then that happens later in the movie. He's right. And Vanessa, like, tries to dodge a car, but hesitates for a second, and then hits the brakes, and then she hits the door or whatever. She goes flying over the handlebars. Yeah. And the first thing she does is, like, get up and rip the brake off her bike. And you're like, I don't think that's the right reaction to that <laughs> <Yeah>. situation. <laughs> I mean, it is like when the movie opens and he
0: has that, like, you know, opening monologue voiceover, uh, like one of the first things he says, is like people die every day here on these streets, these bike messengers. It's a a deadly job. It's a deadly job. (laughs) It's like, but why do we do it for $80 a day? Who's to say? It's like, maybe you shouldn't do it. I don't know. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Know, maybe you're a, being exploited by your boss. Um yeah. Asif Manfi, by the way. He's great. He's yeah. honestly hilarious. He's basically uh,
0: playing his character from Spider Man two all over again. Like that's uh,
1: he's I, maybe that's why I subconsciously was like Joseph Levitt should have been Spider Man <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, you're, he's one second away from going, oh, stole that guy's package. Yeah, um, But what was I going to say? I don't know. It's just silly. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the Spidey Sense thing and all that. So every time he comes to, like, a, a busy inter- traffic intersection because he has no brakes, he can't stop at the red lights. Um, yeah. And, like, yeah, like, it'll show him, like, you know, he, he can see the future, three, like, next or whatever, the, the Nick Cage movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where he can, like, if he goes to the left, it'll be this series of events. If he goes to the yeah. right, it'll be that. And all these things. And then there's the one moment where uh, it's like a, a very crowded intersection and every way he sees it is like a really horrific way that he dies. Did you, like, do you remember this text, this part? Yeah I do. So normally yeah. it's like him crashing right? It's just like whoa whatever um, but in this one it shows like the full aftermath of him like getting like flipped off the bike and run over by another car. Yeah. Uh, taking out a baby carriage and like the baby goes flat like those was like a really horrific moments. and then a car moves and you can see like the, the reflection um, in the windows of a building across the Street and he sees like a an alternate way that he couldn't see before, and that's how he gets through the through the intersection. But I was just like, this is insane. That was yeah. kind of the moment that keyed me into the movie. Like, oh, they kind of know, yeah, <laughs> like exactly. they're doing this. Yeah. yeah, I was looking at Joseph Gordon
0: Levitt's filmography here, and 2012 really was the year of Joseph Gordon Levitt um because th- this movie came out in like August of 2012, did not do well at the box. <laughs> No, <laughs> I think it had a budget of thirty five million. It made about thirty one million. So it, it di- didn't do super well. But Dark Knight Rises was that year, um, mm-hmm. which he plays a major supporting role in. And obviously that was a widely seen movie. Also, Looper was that year, oh. uh, which, you know, great movie. Ryan Johnson. Love it. Uh, yeah. Probably the last great Bruce Willis movie. Probably. Um, yeah. Uh, really good. And then Lincoln. Uh, he was in Lincoln that year. Steven Spielberg's Lincoln. So he had like four like four movies. This was the the less the least big one. <laughs> <laughs> of the four but yeah it's it, he's i don't know i think his career has like it's it's more rare to see him in a movie these days it feels like you know
1: yeah yeah i think he was he just kind of went down whatever that like hit record thing it like the self-produced stuff. yeah
0: he got he got really into like the hit record joe uh stuff where it was like hey you can make your own movies and we'll put it on my website or whatever like his own kind of like alternative to youtube sort of yeah um, like it was like sort of investing in like first-time filmmakers and all that kind of stuff i don't think it really went like, like it was a thing for a couple of years i don't think it really went anywhere big i'm look. i'm just looking at it now and like yeah he had i mean the walk uh which i liked but not a lot of people did the night before which is pretty good i like that movie snowden we talked about that on the uh yeah, Cage podcast. Snowden? but then it's generally like a couple of years it's just like okay he had a cameo in last jedi he had a cameo in knives out <laughs> it's just the ryan johnson stuff <laughs> just yeah. cameos in the ryan johnson stuff and then finally like 2020 he pops up in trolley chicago 7 um mm. and then project power which was a jamie fox movie on netflix i believe that sounds um, right. Yeah, but yeah, Trials of the Chicago Seven was big, and uh, you know, oh, he, oh, I forgot about this. He was the voice of Jiminy Cricket in Robert Zemeckis' Pinocchio, one of the worst things I've ever seen, and also his performance is bad in it. Oh no! If you haven't seen Robert mm. Zemeckis' Pinocchio,
1: correct, I have you,
0: you have not seen his Jiminy Cricket either, I assume. No, it's a nightmare. It's awful. <laughs> it's,
1: like. Like on a, like on a, on a, like a psychic metaphysical level nightmare. Or like like, tru- like truly,
0: really I, like I like shuddered when I, when he first appeared on
1: screen, <laughs> like it, it would, <laughs> it's like an Eldritch horror version of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like you ta- you see it, you go insane. Cause your brain can't process it. Exactly. Yes. I, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's rough. It's bad that, that
0: whole it, it's ill-advised all around. Um, okay. looks like he's in a new Beverly Hills cop movie
1: cool so that's, in, that's i mean i mean i love the fact that he's the gong in uh oh in glass, glass Onion, Onion. right <laughs> yeah the uh, voice.
0: yes but, but i like just has loving a lot i would like to see him in more stuff um yeah i think that that was that like he really had a, the like a, he was really big for a few years there uh after like 500 days of summer and yeah then with inception and all that kind of stuff and uh yeah just uh, it would be nice to see him again
1: yeah that guy the, the little kid from Third rock from the sun doing right you know yeah 10 things
0: i hate about you also. That's right. Yeah. Wow. And, ha- and Halloween H2O, 20 years later. <laughs> we could forget. Yes. Anyway, other do you have any other scenes that uh, stood out to you in Premium Rush, Mike? Anything that you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, I mean, the, just in general, the like Nema t- t- timeline—I <laughs> don't know what else to call it—when um, uh, she we get the flashback of her, and you know, she's the one that handed the envelope to Wiley. Uh, so then we see like what the envelope is, and that it's this like weird, you know, underground money lending thing in the Chinese community. Um, yeah. And I was really just like flashing back to all the Michelle Yeoh movies and stuff that we watched. It was like, this is cool. It's about you know an underground gambling. Casino like a casino and all this stuff yeah. and the, one of the guys in the casino that's sort of like the I don't know henchman or whatever you want to call him the main thug dude that's talking to Michael Shannon in those scenes uh, are you talking about the Sudoku man not the Sudoku man no he's at the okay. casinos that's like telling him telling uh, Michael Shannon like how much he owes and all this stuff okay He's he plays like that same exact character in Warrior that movie that TV show I talked about on in uh, on HBO oh, really? but like in 1870s San Francisco <laughs> like underground Chinese casinos and he's like the same guy. And I was like, wait a second, hold on. And I went and looked it up and it's like, it, it's him. It's the same actor. which <laughs> just very funny. it's nice. awesome. Yeah. It's cool. Um So yeah, I don't know. Just that, that whole turn when the movie takes that turn and introduces that subplot. I was just like, whoa, this is crazy. I thought this was just going to be kind of like a conspiracy, you know, dirty cop thing. Uh And then to have it be about like the Chinese underground <laughs> mafia stuff was cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, I'm glad that you enjoyed it, Mike, because, uh, it's, I feel like it's one of those things where you either think this is really stupid or you think this is really rad and it's like, it's, it's a very fine line. Yeah. (laughs) between the two.
1: <laughs> yeah, somehow, yeah, I was absolutely in just like on its face. Like, this is dumb. I can't believe this movie exists. Um, mm. But then now having watched it, I was like, I'm, I'm happy this movie exists. I don't yeah. I don't know. And I, and I never see people talk about it
0: except for actually this past week. Um, yeah. Just recently, uh, critic Eric D. Snyder, um, who I used to write for on Crooked Marquee, he uh, was tweeted like, hey, yeah, you know, Premium Rush. I was watching it the other day. It's pretty good. And I was like, I've never seen anyone talk about this in the last 10 years and I'm making my D watch at this right now, yeah, very strange. So, so premium rush comeback. Who's to say Cr- yeah, could be happening?
1: Critical reappraisal. Can't wait. And did yeah. you see all the uh, the lawsuit stuff? I I read about that on the Wikipedia. Have you? Are you familiar with all that? Oh, uh, maybe they were oh. um, sued by an author who wrote this book in the nineties called The Ultimate Rush, which is about a okay. rollerblading messenger service. Um, <laughs> And, and, um, he's a hacker and I forget exactly the, the lawsuit was dismissed on there not being enough similarities, like substantial similarities, um, with the plot and everything. But yeah, he delivers something to the wrong person and the government and blah, 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 same, same type of deal, which is hilarious though. The the ultimate rush, the rollerblading messenger action book. Guy yeah, I sued them for this movie.
0: That's awesome. I did not know about that. I do know that there is a similar movie uh, that I think is from the 90s in which Kevin Bacon plays a uh, bike messenger. Whoa. Uh, I haven't seen that movie. I don't I don't really know anything about it. I don't know if it's good or not, but I do know that uh, when Premium Rust* was coming out, like it was compared a lot to that movie. And I forget what it's called. Uh, they should have so. taken a
1: uh, River Wild approach and be like, oh, it's a standalone sequel set in the same universe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Yes. Oh, also wanted to quickly mention that, uh, you know, this movie is directed by David Coepp. And I think the reason we have talked about this movie briefly before is that um, David Coepp was also the director of Mordecai. Uh, which we watched for the Jeff Goldblum podcast. Oh my god! And, like that was the movie he made after Premium Rush. Uh, it was Premium Rush and then Mordecai. I, he I, uh, he
1: can't have directed anything since then, right? Like he has to be in director jail. Like He has to be in director jail. <laughs> yes. uh, let me see. I feel like he might have something in the works.
0: uh Let me see here. It looks like he has. Hold on. Maybe a writing. He direct, he, he has directed one movie since Mordecai. He's he's written stuff since then. Okay. He wrote the Tom Cruise uh, Mummy movie. <laughs> oh of the writers on there uh he also wrote inferno the ron howard uh da vinci code angels and demons yes. uh the one that people forget about oh hey he wrote kimmy kimmy Rats. all right Kimmy's good. Uh, And he's also a co-writer on The New Indiana Jones. Um, But he uh, wrote and directed You Should Have Left in 2020, which is a movie based on a book from 2017, stars Kevin Bacon and Amanda Seyfried, Um, Hmm. a Blumhouse movie, uh, which came out in premium video on demand in June 2020 because all theaters were shut down. Yeah. I don't remember that at all. No. uh, I mean, I think it was... (laughs) I think it was one of several movies that were just kind of pushed to VOD and forgotten during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah. June 2020. Didn't get great reviews. Just kind of uh, fell by the wayside, I guess. But yeah, Kevin Bacon, Amanda Freed, uh, And that was a David Coe joint. Um But despite all that, we still have premium rush. Uh, we do. <laughs> and so th- that's the important thing. I guess he's, he looks like he's been directing stuff since like the 90s. All right, just. Uh, yeah. But yeah. But I mean, obviously, his career as a writer is, is more Illustrious, yes, uh, yeah, <laughs> and that. there
1: there is a moment where uh, Asif Bandvi says it's a premium rush, and me and my friends all clapped, which is pretty exciting, <laughs> right? That's early in the movie, right? Yeah. It's like, all
0: right, here it is, this delivery, it's a premium
1: rush, yeah. yes And like, yeah, let's go.
0: <laughs> nice. All right, so I think that's going to wrap this up, Mike. And actually, that's that's two movies this week that were from Goldblum adjacent directors. Whoa, look at that. Yeah, that's got to be something. <laughs> yeah <laughs> who who could have predicted that uh, in our Saint Ives review or our Mordecai review True. that we could have eventually done a movie uh, a, an episode featuring both movies from Jalie Thompson and David Coeff
1: yeah two movies that we um, are best forgotten probably I don't really remember Saint Ives and what we thought about it but definitely Mordecai I, I, <laughs> I think Morde- Mordecai I remember being the like
0: giving like the devil's advocate thing for Mordecai, where I was like, maybe it's not that bad. I do remember Uh, that. Yeah, you're right. uh, You know, it's it's still not great. Uh, St. Ives, I feel like, I think it was okay. I might have given it more of a pass just because, like, it's a '70s Charles Bronson movie. I'm enjoying that just on its own. Yeah,
1: (laughs) it's no special delivery.
0: It's no special delivery. It's no Death Wish, but it's solid stuff. Yeah, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah i think ice cold and alex better than st ives and premium rush better than mordecai so there you
1: there go it is we call that a victory here yeah absolutely all right mike d is that uh gonna be it this week Are you ready to wrap this up that's it yeah i think um you know i think we finally got a real good one and the <laughs> mike makes mike watch uh pantheon I know last week was last week was a pretty
0: or last month was a pretty good it one was. with uh before sunrise and frailty um but for one that could actually be like a pretty solid double feature true uh and again i don't I don't necessarily know why they would be a good double feature. They just feel right. But, I don't know why. Yeah,
1: it's just like we said, you know, you're trying to get from point A to point B in the, the trials and tribulations uh, and and the crooked cops or, or Nazis uh, trying to yes. stop you from getting there. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, we're, there's, a, there's some weirdo film programmer can put these together and people would probably go <laughs> – I don't yeah. Some people would probably go. Are you saying that I should try to do this, Mike? I'm just saying you work at a movie theater. <laughs> yes. You know, friend of the show, Mike Evans. You got it. You got a direct line, man. I mean, at the very least, Premium Rush should be considered for an Inferno of
0: Danger uh, at some Whoa. point. See if I can get see if I can get some people to show up for Premium Rush. That would be really fun. Um, by the way, I, I did show uh, the Heroic Trio this past week oh, yes. uh, for Inferno of Danger, uh, which is my monthly action movie series at the Roxy. Almost a packed crowd. Like it was it was a packed crowd, almost sold out uh nice. the theater. Uh, which I was very surprised by because I was like, this is a pretty obscure one. I don't know how many people are going to come out for this, but it was like 50 plus people and uh, they were all really into it and also horrified. Yeah. um, How did they take all the baby death? (laughs) Uh, So I didn't. I I should have warned them about that. Oh, my
1: God. (laughs) (laughs) your one job.
0: But I did not. I mean, I did my intro. I gave a giveaway and stuff. And yeah, I should have said something like, by the way, a lot of babies die in this movie. (laughs) At one point, Maggie Chung looks at these slightly older babies and is like, well, they're corrupted. No point in letting them live and throws dynamite into (laughs) (laughs) them and they all blow up and they pee their pants. They pee pee themselves to death. (laughs) Um, uh,
1: what a great movie! Uh, ten out of ten. It's it's so good. <laughs> uh, truly bananas. Um, yes. I remember showing my friends, wanting to show my friends. Uh, I forget what exactly what what scene in that movie. Um, and I was like, you know, kind of clicking on the progress bar, and I landed on that scene, like that moment when it's just like all these babies, children peeing themselves, peeing to death. themselves, yeah. And they were like, what the fuck are you showing? Like, what is I was like, I swear. No, it just popped yeah. up. I don't know.
0: I was like hearing the sound of 50 people in a theater reacting to the scene where the nail goes in the baby's head. Oh
1: my God. I forgot about that.
0: Uh, I'll never forget that sound. Uh,
1: incredible. Oh, we watched the heroic trio. Go to the Roxy if you can.
0: Yes. Yeah. Good stuff all around. All right, Mike T, where can we find you online this week? <laughs>
1: you can find me at MDFilmBlog Film Blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. Um, you can find me on bluesky at mdfilmblog.bsky.social. And uh, if you'd like to donate, support the show, you can do that on our Ko-fi page, which is ko-fi.com slash Mike and Mike Pods. Um, like we talked about in the episode, if you want to uh, donate $50, buy an episode. We dare you. We'll watch whatever yeah. movie you want. Um so stay yes. tuned for uh, Star Trek 2 Wrath of Khan soon. Um and if you want merch, we have uh, merch available on our Redbubble, which is mickemikepodstatredbubble.com.
0: Yes it is. And you can find me online at Msmithfilmblog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd and Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Also, uh, oh and also Blue Sky, uh, Msmithfilmblog.bluesky.social. Thanks Mike again for the invite You're code. Welcome. And also I want to do since we're talking about the Roxy, uh quick mention that uh my other I, I sort of have another podcast going on right what? now. So over the last year or so, and uh, My coworker, Sarah Ferguson, Uh, we have been doing Roxy Radio on 1015 KFGM, a local radio station here in Missoula, Community Radio. And now that radio show is available in podcast form. What? Uh, so if you go to Spotify and soon other places, uh, you can get Roxy Radio wherever you go for podcasts. Uh, so you can find out what's going on with the Roxy as far as programming and stuff, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, we just released a new episode uh, with uh, Solveig, the director of Camp Horror Film Festival, to talk about Camp Horror and all that stuff.
1: Very exciting. So I, uh, my long-standing, long-term plan of getting us to be the official podcast of uh, the Roxy Theater might have a a little hiccup is what you're saying that
0: that, that might go out the window
1: Mm. yeah (laughs) I have to figure out a way to do something I don't know (laughs) yes I just need to get paid somehow somehow Uh, that would be great (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> but yeah roxy radio available where you get your podcast you can check that out that's once a week and that the episode the uh show airs on mondays on kfgm the podcast will usually be up on tuesdays so people can check about there uh thanks so much for listening to Mike going go to the movies i'm mike smith it's Mike decree show don't forget to rate and review the show on apple podcasts or any other podcast app and if you want to contact us you can tweet at us at mike and mike pod and you can find the rest of our podcast on rapture press alongside many other podcasts all kinds of comic books and movie news and all that good stuff uh, so next week, I think we should do, should do some discussions next week. Um, I think we'll say we'll save the. Uh, we haven't talked about this beforehand. We should have. Um, whatever, <laughs> because, whatever you say, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> because, because I'll be pretty busy with the Camp Horror Film Festival this weekend. Yes. I might not have time to watch Star Trek: To the Wrath of Khan this week.
1: Oh yeah, was uh, ne- was it next week in the schedule that we had the other thing we were replacing it with? Yes, okay. yes, it was. Got it.
0: Yeah. So I, so I think you know discussions this coming week, and then after that we'll do our Star Trek episode. Perfect. Perfect. That works for me okay and then i do and then the other thing i had planned like we had planned i say had planned we have let's rank question mark in a <laughs> in a document with no idea what we're gonna rank <laughs> no so thanks
1: david for uh solidifying our schedule for us because exactly. we didn't know what we were yeah. doing
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I i did push a let's rank into sometime in like mid-september so maybe we can figure out what we should rank at some point and then we'll and then we'll make an episode out by a
1: let's rank episode i dare you
0: hey yeah if people want to spend 50 bucks uh, at the Kofi page and tell us to rank something, we'll rank it for sure.
1: Yeah, we'll do it. It'll be fun. Well, yeah, can't wait for discussions. I want to hear all about uh, uh, Camp Horror, Mike.
0: Oh yes, i uh, have plenty of thoughts about the Tingleder uh, <laughs> next week on the podcast, and I want to hear about the Zombie Fest. That's gonna oh, be a yeah. fun time. In the meantime, the complete works just did an episode on Master Z It Man Legacy that is out right now, and next week it's Last Christmas. Uh, J- Michelle Yeoh as a supporting character in the Amelia Clark Henry Golding rom com and directed by Paul Feig. Looking forward to talking about that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it should be an interesting discussion. Yes, I think
0: so too. And that is the end of this week's episode of Mike McGo to the Movies. We will see you on the other side.